obviously I don't want to send the same two referees. You don't want to see the same two referees for 18 home games at Michigan Tech. Maybe we do. I don't know. It depends on who. <laughs> depends on the guys. Ones this, are calling. this year you may. Yeah. <laughs> Not last year. You're right. <laughs> Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. Covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Uh, welcome to episode two of season three of the Chasing McNaughton podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guy. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Matt Cavender. Hello, everybody. Um, Rob and Dustin are running a little late. If they show up, maybe a little later. We'll see. Uh, our special guest this week is the director of CCHA officials, Kevin Langsa. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, this week, we'll chat with Kevin about the uh, for the first part of the podcast, covering his hiring, the process of finding 40 officials from scratch, and what fans can expect to see that's different from years past. After that, we're going to chat about uh, MTU's recent recruits and start a conversation about the 2021-22 season for Michigan Tech and the CCHA. All right, uh, let's get a brief note from our sponsors. And right after we do the thank you notes, we'll chat with uh, Kevin Langsa. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at fibkedental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E dental.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, welcome back. Let's get right into things with Kevin Langseth. I'll start off with a simple one. Um, you're from the UP originally? I grew up in Calumet, yep. Um, we certainly hear that a lot. I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, that you uh, that you know Dave Ellis, and and that's kind of cool to have a, a UPer in charge of the officials. I'm sure uh, all the coaches in the UP are happy to hear that, even though I'm sure you're not biased at all. Uh, it's... I played a lot of games at, at Michigan Tech when I was a kid and in high school, so uh, very familiar territory. And, yeah, I think the UP schools uh, do appreciate having a little bit of representation in the administration. That's great. So why do you think you were picked to be the director of officials for the CCHA? I think that I had uh, several things that were favorable in my background. First of all is just a passion. Growing up there as a kid, you know, I was – I was fortunate to be there in the glory years of Michigan Tech when John McGinnis was coaching and they were perennial um, 
playoff and NCAA playoff teams. It was just phenomenal. So the passion for hockey started young and it's continued throughout my adult life. When Don was named as the commissioner, I reached out to him. He was named as the commissioner on day one. And on day two, he had my resume and letter of interest indicating I want that job. Not I'd like that job, I want that job. Uh, and so during the course of the, the following season, uh, Don and I traded phone calls, texts, Zoomed, and we had discussions where he was gauging my interest and in what I had for a vision with officiating and how closely it matched up with his. Uh, and we had great conversations. So I think that was a benefit. Uh, I had a long, successful career as a linesman and a referee. Combined was a 25-year uh, stint as a NCAA Division I official. So I think that was in my favor. Uh, it's not that long ago that I stepped off the ice. So I'm, I'm familiar with what's going on in college hockey right now. Uh, I have a relationship where I've known all, of, all eight coaches. Uh, Grant is probably the one with the shortest amount of tenure, but I've known all coaches in the league and um, I think that they respect me. So that was a, another nugget in my favor. And uh, I've had a long history. I've been fortunate to have a long history doing playoff hockey, whether it's a conference playoff, a, play, a conference championship, an NCAA assignment, or I've even been fortunate enough to work multiple national championships. So I think that was appealing. Uh, and then the last component, which is was another big nugget for, for Commissioner Lucia, was that uh, I had a 13-year stint where I was on the Michigan USA Hockey, Michigan training staff for officials. So I've, I've trained a lot of uh, USA Hockey. I've trained a lot of high school hockey uh, people. I've trained a lot of college club officials that have gone on. And now many of them are skating in the Big Ten. They're skating in the NCHC, they, they were skating in the WCHA, and there are some that are going to be skating for us in the CCHA. Nice. So, so to kind of follow up on that, you've, you've got a lot of experience at all those different aspects of things. On the, on the CCHA media day call, you mentioned that we had, what, 110 applicants for, to be officials in the CCHA? We did, yes. We had 110 applicants, which is a great problem to have, uh, you know, with that many people interested in becoming a part of the staff. Um, we opened up a portal and I gave them a month to apply. Um, hockey is, a, as you know, is a small community. When you travel, as you go to Frozen Fours or any of those events, um, you see the same people over and over again. And it's the same way from the officiating standpoint. There are a lot of people that know somebody that knows somebody. So when the portal was opened up, uh, it didn't take long for word to spread. And we, I received applications or uh, applications, I guess the best way to put it. Uh, I received from AHL officials, East Coast Hockey League, uh, the Big Ten, NCHC, uh, people that are currently skating Junior A, people that are skating College Club, and some, you know, that are, are a little bit younger yet, but are, are skating high school and they wanted to find out what does it entail? How do I get, how do I make that jump to college hockey? So how did you whittle it down from those 110 to the 40 you ended up hiring? 
Uh, there were a lot of people that I'm familiar with. I've seen either over the course of the past few years with now that I've stepped off the ice with, uh, they had been skating in WCHA. Uh, I watched a lot of games on the Big Ten Network. I watched a lot of games on NCHC. I jumped on the flow and I, I observed officials who are currently, uh, we had some people that were skating in, in the Atlantic. So I had an opportunity to look at them. Uh, we had, we did have some hockey down here in Grand Rapids as Matt could tell you, uh, not a lot, but we did have some hockey. So I was able to get out and see some people locally. We held a skating camp in Grand Rapids in June with roughly 30 attendees where I was able to uh, go through and put them through some paces on ice and cut people there. Um, and then uh, a lot of, a lot of guys, Minnesota based guys, particularly because I wasn't traveling to Minnesota to view, they would send me zoom links that they had where, or um, YouTube links, excuse me, where their games were filmed. And I watched a lot of film off of YouTube as well. Live barn for a few. Okay. And and when are we going to get to find out who the officials are for this coming season? That's not out yet, is it? I, I, I'm sure that they'll publish it. We wanted to get through the media day first, but uh, yeah, there's no secret with it. I'm sure it'll be published and put on the CCHA website. Um, not, not to sound self-deprecating, but in our opinion, you know, that was the least important aspect of pushing forward with everything that we want to pu uh, publish and emphasize for the upcoming season. That's fair. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, another question that we have is, um, so we heard on the, w or the uh, CCHA, excuse me, media day that um, refs this year are going to be mic'd up and wearing NHL style jerseys. And that's, that's a pretty big change for us from, you know, kind of, watching the game sometimes questioning what's being called and what logic was used. And that's, you know, a luxury that, you know, college football has been able to have, and they've been able to have at the NHL level. And we're, we're looking forward to that kind of a thing, but is there, uh, is there anything else that fans can expect from uh, the, uh, the refing experience in the CCHA as opposed to what we've had in the WCHA? Yeah. First of all, uh, a big thank you to the, uh, presidents and athletic directors for pushing forward with that project. Uh, it's something that Don and I talked about over the course of my interviewing and we were both strongly pushing for it. Uh, again, thank you to the athletic directors and presidents for, for making room in the budget for it. The first thing that you said, referee jerseys will be the first thing that they noticed. The referee jerseys are the NHL with the extended armband. Under, I wanted to be different. I wanted to set us apart. This is a new league. It's a new uh, regime. And I wanted to be different. I wanted guys to be excited to be part of this league. And when we held our training camp down in Chicago, uh, and I handed that stuff out two, uh, two plus weeks ago, man, what a difference it made. I was over in the Big Ten building watching him walk from the hotel over to the uh, to the Big Ten office, and our guys were coming over with the energy and enthusiasm that I haven't seen in a long time. Just they are fired up to be part of this league and everything that's going with it. Microphones are going to be big for us where we're going to announce our penalties. All of our penalty calls will be announced by the referees. If we go to a video review, they're going to announce the plays under review and the reason for it. 
So there's no more Jeopardy music and there's no more, <laughs> what the heck are they calling? Why is this review taking so long? Um, so it'll, it, we think that both of those things will, will uh, make a much better fan experience, not only for people that are live in the building, but for our streaming audiences as well. Uh, when I had been supervising the past three years, there were plenty of times just geographically, I'm based in Grand Rapids, so I would go to a lot of games at Ferris. And uh, when I was at Ferris, a lot of times I'm writing down on a note and I'm walking it 15 feet over and I'm sliding it to Harrison Watt, who's the play-by-play -play guy for Ferris's radio. And he, he gives me the, you know, the high sign and, hey, thanks. And now he's sounding like he's really on top of it with why are they going to video review? So those things will make a big difference. Video review, the system itself, we are state-of-the-art. Our system that's going to be employed is the best in all of college hockey. We run a very, very close second with uh, our capabilities to the NHL. We're better than the American League. So um, we're going to have state-of-the-art cameras, 60 frames per second, HD quality, eight cameras instead of three. We think that it's going to make our review process significantly faster, significantly more accurate. So we're, we're just, we're over the moon with excitement about the uh, video replay technology that's available to us. The other thing that's gonna be different, you'll notice new faces. Uh, from the officiating sta staff, uh, there's a, a total of 42 officials that are on staff, 18 referees, 24 linesmen. And out of the 18 referees, I think we've got six, six new referees and 11 new linesmen. So it's close to a 30, you know, it's like one third of our staff is turned over that I selected. Compared to what was in the WCHA. That's correct. Yep. Correct. Yep. Uh, other things that I think that you'll notice fans, fans will notice is there's going to be a lot more communication. There's more communication. Behind the scenes, I'm going to be doing a lot more communicating with the coaches. We're going to be sending clips to officials. Hey, uh, I think that you can do this better. Uh, this is a great call. This is a great non-call. We're going to share that with the officials. We're going to train the officials. And you know what? When we're doing that, we're also going to share that exact same information. The coaches are all going to be CC'd on it so that they see what we're pushing out. We want to get better. We know we have to get better. Communication when we're on the ice, like I said, the referee microphones are going to be huge for the audience. Uh, to, with players, we're going to you're going to see more more communication with our use of hand signals. Hey, there's a potential icing, and the linesman's waving it off. Why why did he wave that off? Well, he's going to be pointing. Hey, you know what? I think that defenseman could have played it. Or hey, that goalie came out of the crease. Now I'm pointing at the goalie. That's the reason the icing is waved. Those are just simple referee 101 that we just hadn't been doing to the degree that they're going to be expected to do it now and they will do it i stress that camp it's we're going to be a lot better with communication the other thing that i think you'll notice is we're going to be uh, more up tempo line changes last year or for the past few years it's supposed to be a grand total of 18 seconds from a stoppage of play until we resume play and a lot of times, let's be honest, they're closer to a minute, weren't they? It felt like a media timeout. Oh, yeah. But here's the most important thing that I think you'll notice, guys. The standard of enforcement. 
the standard of rule enforcement is going to uh, improve dramatically. Uh, the, when I when I was hired, I called the coaches and I had individual conversations with the coaches. The wrap, pin, and hold, the holding, the hooking, uh, all of those have to stop. Slashes to the hands have to stop. Um, initial faceoff violations. You know, last year, last year was it was a new rule and. Uh, to be honest with you, we didn't do a great job of communicating the expectation. Well, now the expectation has been communicated and you're going to see a lot more where someone comes in and makes a center comes in and makes a stick slap too early. Boom. Linesman hand is going to go up in the air. Here's an initial face off violation. A winger encroaches. Boom. Hands going to go up in the air. Here's an initial face off violation. Um, Protection of the players, the checking from behind contact to the head, uh, unsuspecting hits. Those are, we're, we're focusing on those. Those have been in the, in the rule book as points of emphasis. And from my, from me to them, to our officials, it will be called. It's got to be called. We need to pick up the brand of the league. Yeah, the consistency piece definitely sounds fantastic, and it's something we've we've harped on as we've watched for you know for years. So that's really interesting to hear. Absolutely, and just just because I think it piggybacks well, I know Tim's kind of fiddling with our uh, with our question sheet right now, but I think it's more important to do it right now. But you know, when we had our conversation with Don, that unfortunately you know the recording didn't go too well with that, and we were able to put it out. We, he was able to speak with us about how there was currently some plans to, you know, have some kind of ref sharing agreement with the NCHC and the big 10. Can you kind of tell us, you know, where that is and how that's going to work out and what fans can expect from that? Yeah. Uh, we've, we've got, uh, let's see, I think we've got six, six officials from the big 10 that we're sharing. And I think three from the NCHC, um, that we're sharing. Basically, the way the way that it works is um, you you state which it's like dual citizenship, if you will, right? <laughs> so you've got your you've got your uh, primary citizenship. My guys, they're primary affiliated with the CCHA, and if they would like to skate for somebody else, uh, because we overlap our footprint with the NCHC and with the Big Ten. Um, Hey, it makes sense. If that, if that guy is a good official, I'd like to use him. If he's available and he's, not, he's primarily skating for Don Adam in the NCHC, but he's got an off weekend, let me know. And I'll use that guy. The same thing with Pi in the big 10. So uh, I've published October's schedule in November is probably going to go out on Monday or Tuesday. And we've got a fair, We've got a fair representation where we're mixing those guys in. Yeah, I think that can only lead to better consistency across all the Western leagues. That's good for everybody. Around. Well, not only not only are we uh, sharing caliber officials, but uh, we're keeping guys on the ice. I mean, who wants to sit on the shelf for three weeks and then get an assignment and blow the dust off all their equipment? Nobody. That's, that's not good for the official. It's not good for the teams. It's not good for me as a supervisor because, you know, if, if he's been off that long, guess who's going to get the call with a coach saying, hey, this guy, yeah, sure. he really did, yeah. he didn't have a very good game. We want to keep the guys skating. That's when they're at their best. 
Yeah, when we well, heard about that, we were thinking nothing but good things because, like you said, it, it it makes sure that none of the officials are are rusty, whether it be you know skating wise or with you know their ability to make a call or and, and you know like Rob said, it just creates some consistency across the leagues, which is what I think's been sorely missing across all of college hockey. So it's cool; it's at least heading to the West. So that'll be exciting to see. It's a, it's a win 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 as far as I'm concerned. Kind of speaking about how you put the schedule out, how how do you determine who the officials and the linesmen are for a series? Uh, the officials have the opportunity. We use a scheduling software to do it, and the guys have an opportunity to go in and put out a block date if they've got a block date. Uh, perhaps it's something at work. Um, you know, maybe they're like. Uh, Maybe they're, they're like Dustin and, you know, they're out in a combine or who knows what, right? So yeah. for whatever their reason, they've got a block date, a family function, a work function, what have you. So uh, I've got access to what their block dates are. And then I go and I take a look and I've got an exposure chart as well. Obviously, I don't want to send the same two referees. You don't want to see the same two referees for 18 home games at Michigan Tech. Maybe we do. I don't know. It depends on who. Depends on the guys. <laughs> this, are this year you may. Yeah. <laughs> Not last year. You're right. <laughs> so we've got an exposure chart where we want to make sure that the guys see all of the different sites, different teams. So there's an exposure chart. Um, and basically I go in and I, I plug people into the assignments. I take a look at who the matchups are. Uh, I plug in the officials. They have an opportunity to accept or decline. And if they decline, then I move on to plan B. And then, and then what about linesmen? Are they still somewhat local or? Yeah, linesmen are uh, somewhat local. Um, I, I would really like to get more linesmen in the UP. Uh, but by the way, I owe a big kudos to Coach Shahan. Uh, I had someone from the UP that contacted me and said, Hey, Kevin, is there any opportunity that I could, uh, could interview with? And I said, well, you know what, I'm going to be up in Calumet on this particular weekend. And this was on a Tuesday. And he said, I'd be available on Saturday. I called Joe and I said, Joe, can I get 15 minutes of ice? That's all I'll need to put this guy through his paces to determine whether or not he's going to cut, cut the mustard and be on the staff. Joe, immediately dropped what he was doing 15 minutes later he told me come up on tuesday on saturday at such and such time you got the ice incredible absolutely incredible so uh i'd like to get more guys up in the up but uh it is what it is right now so uh for for michigan tech we'll be traveling guys in okay is that the case anywhere else or just uh, Michigan Tech or the rest of the UP or uh, Tech and Lake State do not have anyone local. Okay. We had we had someone that uh, one of my proteges had moved. He's originally from the Sioux. He was down here in Grand Rapids. I got to work with him while he was going to school. He graduated, moved back home, and uh, took. After he got home, he found an even better job that he took. So, um, unfortunately. For us, selfishly speaking, we don't have anyone. We don't have anyone in the Sioux, and we don't have anyone in Holt. All right, I'll move on to the question that uh, I added to the list. You know, officials 
as in a, in a broad sense are kind of viewed as the bad guy a lot of times you know you walk into a lot of buildings and you know the officials don't get a lot of love you know at at, at tech that the students actually 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 does wave to them but in a lot of other buildings i know they're usually they usually get the first boo of the evening so uh i was just wondering how 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 difficult is it to maintain the image of officiating being you know the reason the game is played safely and by the rules and not you know guys trying to make a show of themselves that's a that's a really good question matt officials control two things they control their preparation are they physically and are they mentally prepared each and every night that they step out onto the ice and the other thing that they control is their attitude beyond that they don't have control they react to everything else they react so if it's a if it's a crappy game, it's a crappy game, and it doesn't matter who's on the ice. But if two teams come out to play hockey, wow, it is the best seat in the whole building to be on the ice, out there with them, having a good time, moving up and down. I, that's the part that I miss. I'll, I, I will miss game days and the five minutes leading up to opening face-off. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's it, – for for just you know like a pure hockey fan and you know it is sometimes it can be tough to you know leave your biases at the door but for and and just a pure like the purest hockey fan sense that really is a great answer i think that you know it's the best seat in the house if you want to watch good hockey if you're watching a good game yeah can't get well, the glass if you're inside of it right that well, well put <laughs> there's no blind spots when you're on the ice <laughs> well and you, you you know from a hockey fan perspective you know, we complain a lot about, you know, the refs not being fair or whatever. And a lot of times it's, it's really not the ref's fault that the players are breaking the rules. It's more a matter of the fans, you know, a lot of times when you complain, you just have to accept the fact that the, the point of all of it is just, if you called hooking on tech and the other team does the same thing, we want the penalty called. That's what you really want is if it's consistently a little bit off compared to what the rule specifically says, I think in a specific game, you're okay with that because you at least feel like the calls are fair as far as equitable, because what was called one way was called the other way versus um, anything else. So it, it's uh, it is a fun issue to be the, the ref, I'm sure. Um, and I know we've had a lot of fun. I, I think part of it for me was always, getting to know the refs. I, um, I still text Derek Shepard every once in a while and have a good laugh. I, his photos for the NCHC this year are hilarious. Um, those little outtakes that they posted on Twitter. Um, and I still get a kick out of chatting with him and, and all the stories we've had all the years ago. Cause basically it all started with the, the referees would typically go out to the downtowner after a game and we'd always run into them and, give them shit for whatever and and then get to know them to the point that like Dustin and I went up to Alaska one weekend to watch Tech play Anchorage and we ended up going out with Shep almost the whole weekend and this is probably far enough in the past where I could say this he he said I don't like hanging out with those linesmen I'd rather go drinking with you guys (laughs) (laughs) well if you were hanging out with Derek, you had to be hanging out with Marco as well. Oh yeah. So we got a lot of good stories with Marco and, and Derek. We were going to have Derek on the podcast this summer and it just never happened. So we could start sharing some of those good old stories. There was one time where 
some woman at Tom Reed's flipped out on Marco um, or flipped out in front of Marco. I don't even know if it was directed at Marco. And all Derek did was go, Marco, what'd you do? (laughs) Good time. So uh, I, and I think that actually like from Dustin, my perspective, I know that helped us like, like getting to know the refs made it a lot easier to like, um, they're not just the referee on the ice. Like I got to know them as people and, um, and make it a lot easier to like, accept that, like, maybe they had a bad night versus they, you know, it wasn't any ill will towards anybody or, um, anything like that. So I think that really helps that the, that small town feel that you get in Houghton kind of helps, um, get to know the refs a little better and not just be so focused on like you screwed us tonight kind of things. Yeah. So on the end, it's not usually a ref's call that decides a game anyways. It's very rare that it's the ref that made the game go one way or the other. It's usually the team's performance that's causing it. We like to focus on it because we don't want to blame, you know, our own team for a problem. Yeah. yeah that's, you're going to focus on, you're going to focus on the refs, right? Exactly. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not like uh uh, I don't know how much you guys all follow baseball, but you know, you see a lot of talk this year, especially about ump shows and all that stuff where it just feels like they're really interjecting themselves in the game and deciding to ring somebody up because somebody else complained about the strike zone and those kind of things. And it's, it's a lot harder for a ref to do something like that because their, their impact on the game, I feel like is can be a lot less because there aren't, you know, balls and strikes to call and that kind of thing. It's just, was there a penalty or not? And, and um, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, you guys have actually hit on a couple of couple of good points. First one is, uh, you know, if if you're up in the misfit section, sometimes, sometimes actually, you may have a better view of the play than I do. Absolutely, sure. like you don't get those, you know, seven maybe, different, you know, like bird's eye views. Maybe maybe I'm blocked out by a defenseman, and you're up high enough that you can see. Oh my gosh, how did they miss that call? That's that's why there's two of you on the ice, right, Kevin? That's right. You're right. And and since we've gone to the four men, you know that shouldn't happen as much. But even still, you know maybe maybe that guy up high is watching something the puck else come out. The puck had come out to the blue line. Someone keeps it into the zone, and he's got to watch that contact at the blue line between the forward who's trying to get it out and the D man who's trying to keep it in to make sure there's no high contact. And I'm the deep guy, and I'm uh, obstructed i've got an obstructed view because of whatever anyhow we hope that those are few and far between well that's where our, the video review makes a huge difference too and especially with the quality of the cameras everything we're moving toward you know like we've talked about already move into a higher quality system you can you can be more assured that a, a blue line call for example is going to be much more accurate this year than it's been when we're looking at a grainy photo where you can barely make the puck out you know with video and seeing everything on the on the broadcast, you can see the same view the refs are seeing when they play the replays. It's really tough to see sometimes, or there's something blocked. The more angles, the better system is just going to help that even more. Well, and now specifically to that, Rob, we, this year we are implementing blue line cameras. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's refreshing to see the the league moving forward with those changes. You know, like you said, the, the schools are, are willing to put the money up to make those improvements. It's, it's a real welcome change, right? I mean, yeah. you mentioned Jeopardy music earlier. I'm pretty sure there was a review either the last year or the year before where they got through like three or four iterations of Jeopardy, right? Uh, <laughs> if we've hit that many, it's, it's, it's too much. 
you're, you're looking at minuscule details. You can't tell the difference because of the quality of the cameras or a blocked angle. Overturning a call at that point when you've had to look at it for that long to me means that there's no way to actually tell right or wrong and you're really grasping at straws there. And hopefully the new system, the new systems in place, the arenas lets us get past that. Yeah, and in uh, in the old days, it, part of the delay was that uh, the video had to be rendered. Sure. So we're waiting for it to render, and now we're not going to have that problem. We're going to have immediate access, so it'll be it'll be fantastic. From a from a fan perspective, watching on Flow Hockey, are we going to get when we're watch, when there's a replay? Are we going to be watching what the refs watching, or are we just going to be sitting there finding out after the fact, or no, on Flow Hockey, Flow Hockey will, in the building, uh, during a video replay, we're restricted. As soon as they go into, into review, in-house, you're not allowed to show anything on the Jumbotron. Okay. But if you're watching on Flow Hockey or the game is televised, they can show as many angles, as many times of the replay as they want. And they'll have access to your eight cameras to do that? Exactly. Okay. That'll be wonderful. Well, we'll see how that actually gets implemented now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's phenomenal. We've had... Uh, I know some of the problem is that the, uh, like Michigan Tech specifically, is basically showing you what's on the Jumbotron for the most part, right? So I don't know how that's going to work if they actually have two separate feeds, one going to the Jumbotron and one that they sent home. Uh, uh, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, now, there's, there's a new switcher okay. that they that every all eight institutions have purchased and uh, they will have access to all camera angles. Nice. Um, I'm looking forward to that level of detail to uh, know stuff. I'm just looking forward to not seeing what's on the jumbotron when it's not relevant to a broadcast. <laughs> yeah, that'll be nice. How many, Go Huskies. We, how many times have we watched uh, the Chargers UAH logo slam against things? <laughs> Well, when, we don't have yeah, to talk about them anymore. But yeah. I know that, but it's an but, example from last year, right? How many times have we watched that thing slam up against something when there's obviously gameplay going on already? I mean, Michigan Tech has had it some, but I think we complained quickly and they took care of that where we weren't getting like the make some noise stuff anymore. So, yep. Yeah. You kind of covered it, but let's, let's just ask this directly. So Robert Mackey, one of our patrons was asking, uh, if there are any areas that you consider are areas of emphasis for rule enforcement this season? Yeah. Um, actually, it's it's not just the CCHA that's emphasizing. The commissioners from all six conferences got together and they said that they'd like to they'd like to have a a, a revisiting, if you will, of the standard of enforcement, so that we're trying to get more consistent across the country, uh, kind of like 2004 with the NHL a little bit. Hey, you know what, let's focus on this. The NHL, speaking of the NHL, just yesterday or Friday said, hey, this year uh, in 21-22, we're actually gonna call cross-checking in front of the net and in the corners. So the pendulum swings with play, right? And in, in the case of the NHL, the pendulum had swung way too far away from core on cross-check and now it's swinging back in. The commissioners said, you know, we would like to have more training, more consistency across the board. So we're revisiting the points of emphasis. The, the items that I mentioned uh, previously, the wrap, pin and hold, 
the hooking, the slashes to the hand, the holding, the interference, uh, checking from behind, contact to the head, unsuspecting hits. Those are all right at the front of the rule book. They're not, they're not new, but we need to bring attention back to them. Listen, we've, the pendulum swung too far. We're letting too much, too much of that garbage go. We need to reward the players with talent. The talented players need to be able to showcase their talent. So let's call that garbage. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And it'll be interesting to see whether or not, you know, it seems like sometimes when there's a point of emphasis, it gets called really early in the season and then it fades off. So it's always good to see it stay consistent when they are points of emphasis. The, the fact that the commissioners, uh, the commissioners are so involved this time, we've had two calls already. We're, we're going on uh, monthly calls where it's all six commissioners, all six Super, supervisors of officials and representatives from the NCAA. Uh, just today, I got uh, I got um, additional information about how if something happens in a CCHA game, boom, I can put it into a Dropbox, press a button, and whoosh, it's distributed to the six commissioners, the five other conference supervisors of officials, and the reps from the NCAA. So there's going to be a lot more sharing of information. Going back to what I said earlier, a lot more communication. Just let's, there's nothing to hide. Let's let's get it out there. Let's communicate. Let's let everyone know. Yeah, that's one of the things when you always, when you see crossover between Eastern and Western hockey, it tends to, you tend to see different officiating. So that's interesting to hear that it's across the board. Uh, you know, everybody's going to be sharing. I like that. Uh, that's, I think, a good thing. We do too. We do too. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be a much better product on the ice. That's for sure. The decisions for if there is additional suspensions, that's between you and uh, Commissioner Lucia. That's right. Yep. So if uh, if there's a if there's a incident within a game, uh, anytime that there's a major penalty called, my phone is going to get a buzz and I'm going to get a notification. Uh, such and such, such and such game, such and such time in the period, it will identify the player and what the infraction is. With uh, technology is what it is now, I'll be able to pull that up on my phone, on my tablet, and I'll be able to, if I'm at a rink, I'll be able to pull it up and I'll be able to look at it immediately. If I'm uh, at home in my war room, I'll be able to pull it up in, on the computer in my war room and I'll be able to look at it. Many times I'll be able to have uh, a review completed before that official completes the period. Once, once that starts the process, then I reach out to Commissioner Lucia. I uh, share with him my thoughts regarding the incident. And if I'm recommending, he'll have an opportunity to review it. We'll compare notes. And if we decide additional uh, disciplines, uh, supplementary discipline or a suspension is is merited, then we'll proceed down that path. In addition, uh, because we've got this sharing relationship, uh, I have the ability, if I want to send it to the Big Ten to have Pi take a look at it, Pi would take a look at it. If I want to send it to the NCHC and say, hey, Don, would you take a look at this? Don Adam would take a look at it. Just to validate my opinion, um, disagree with me, whatever. It's important to, to get 
since we're since we're looking for that uniformity on a national basis, why those are two great resources. Why would I not take advantage of those? Yeah, the ability to have that peer review from the other the other uh, heads of officials is, is interesting, and I think that's a really good idea. Uh, that makes a ton of sense. Um, one other question that I just thought of when you talked about the peer review stuff: Are you is, is the CCHA the source of referees again for Arizona State or any other independent teams this year? Or review? Uh, uh, yes, we are. Yeah. Uh, Arizona State, I can tell you, Tim, is being scheduled by the Big Ten. Okay. We, uh, we were approached during the summer by uh, Alaska Fairbanks, and they asked for us to furnish referees up there. And it goes back to a comment that I made earlier. We, we said yes to that. Why? Uh, it gives us more games to keep our officials on their toes. They have seven home series uh, over the course of the season, and so it's not an undue burden. Uh, it's a win for Alaska because they're getting quality referees that they're familiar with, and our referees are familiar with them. It's a win for our officiating staff because, uh, again, they're skating. They're not collecting dust on a shelf, and it's a win for the league because, um, you know, they're helping to subsidize our officials. <laughs> and then you would be the ones reviewing any penalty, major penalties uh, enforced on an, uh, Fairbanks player kind of thing. Exactly. Correct. Yes. If, it, if anything happens at Fairbanks uh, from a disciplinary action, uh, I would be in charge of it with commissioner Lucia. Well, oh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and, and hopefully our listeners and maybe some, some people that normally don't listen will enjoy getting to hear your perspective on all this stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us. It was my pleasure to uh, to visit with you guys this evening. Uh, I'm not sure who makes it up to all of the home games, but I will be at every site uh, before Christmas. And I think I think my I'm still working on my travel schedule, but I think it's going to be either the first or second game um, in October that I'm up at Tech. So if you happen to see me, first round's on me, fellas. <laughs> All right. <laughs> maybe, maybe my travel plan just got decided then. <laughs> uh, that Houghton's home for me as well, so it's an easy excuse to get back home when there's hockey going on too. So it's, uh, it's not the trouble I, to drive up. <laughs> I think I just made plans to make my first trip to Houghton for the Lake State Series, like the first weekend of November. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to make as many as I reasonably can being a, a fresh hire, but yeah. <laughs> overall, just, just thanks for coming on, Kevin. Take your you, vacation, been, Matt. Don't worry about it. I know. I've, no one's going to, no one's going to miss me, but <laughs> no, don't, yeah. don't, don't let corporate America tell you, you can't take your vacation. I, I Go know. On trips. I it. know. I'm going to, I'm going to do it, but you know, I, I just want to thank you one more time, Kevin. It's been an incredible conversation. We're happy to have you on. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to the season. Uh, we're not going to be perfect, but we will pursue excellence with a passion. We can't wait for puck drop next week. Yeah, it's exciting that it's already, it's, we're almost there. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Thanks again, guys. I really appreciate it. Yep, thank you. Yep. Thanks, Kevin. You bet. Since we wrapped up Kevin's interview here, uh, let's, it seems like a good time to discuss uh, one thing, well, a couple things. Uh, we fund everything at Tech Hockey Guide from our patrons. You can become one at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Uh, we, uh, 
at the $2 level, you get question priority and access to our Zoom chats, which I guess now we're probably going to try and do quarterly. We're not even good at that, but we'll keep trying. Um, we've done chats with like the captains, Coach Sean, uh, former captain and head coach in the USHL, Brad Patterson. We did John Scott. We'll probably try and get maybe, uh, maybe that'd be a good place to do something with Cam Ellsworth or um, Pat Mickish. Um, since the podcast has started, we've done extended versions of the podcast for our patrons at the black level or above, which is $5. And then at the gold level for $10 a month, you get access to everything we mentioned uh, in the Zoom chat video of our podcast uh, before the rest is out. And at the black or gold level, um, you also get an authentic MTU jersey patch. And we're trying something new this year. So uh, if you go and rate the podcast five stars on whatever uh, podcast you do, Dustin's going to read reviews you leave no matter what it says. So uh, get out there and do some ratings uh, and we'll see what you guys have to say. Anyway, did you find the review, Dustin? So I did. Read it. Okay. Yeah. When do you want me to read this? And how, go. Like, all read right. it however you want right now. All right. So we have a five star review from <laughs> Hannah in 2OT. And it's a five star review. The review says Love the guys at Tech Hockey Guide. Each episode is such a fun conversation about the best experience in college hockey. Keep it up. Yay. So good job. Good, so good job. Good job, guys. It. Yeah, that was a that was a very positive review. Circling back to talking about Patreon, we did get a new patron this week. Um, Bethlen uh, Cumming signed up at the $10 level, the gold level. So thank you for that, Bethlen. Um, it's nice to uh, have gained a patron here uh, this time of year. So we'll see how that goes. We're back up to, I think, 33 now. So that's good for the podcast. Going into the second half, of the show, I think the biggest things we kind of want to talk about were the new recruits and maybe um, chat about the season ahead. And one thing that stinks about us recording on Sunday night for Kevin is that we're not going to be able to talk about the Joe show that's happening tomorrow. And then one other thing that I did want to mention is uh, next week, we've got Todd Maluski signed up to chat ahead of the Wisconsin series. And then the weekend after that, we've got Dave Fisher, former SID of Michigan Tech, who currently works for USA Hockey. He's going to come on ahead of the development program game and Notre Dame weekend. So I think that'll be great to catch up with Dave Fisher. He was actually the, uh, the SID when I was a student, at least for part of it. And then we're, uh, we got a couple other guys set up for later on in the year and still trying to get uh, some confirmation for after Dave Fisher. Yeah, I've also got the first week of our, our new fun fantasy college hockey weekly segment set up okay. for this week since so cool. our games this weekend. Well, why don't we just start with that? The way it works is all four of us are going to participate each week. And each week I'm going to have five different players that I'm going to select. And each of, and each week there'll be a different theme. And 
we will each pick one of the players on the list. The last player that is not chosen. So basically the last pick each week goes to a ghost player. And the goal is for us all to beat the ghost player, which is getting like the throwaway pick every week. So Sounds we beat the easy. ghost and we win. Yes. Individually. And Individually. it's our record against the ghost. It's our record against the ghost. And I guess our record against each other too, but it's more yeah. about beating the ghost. Yeah. Okay. It, which sounds easy, right? We should be able to beat the <laughs> yep. one that just gives the throwaway player every week, but it's not not as easy as it sounds. All right. And like I said, this is the first week. We're going to try to do this I mean, every week, probably not during you know, holiday breaks and stuff. There probably aren't enough games, but maybe we'll throw one together during that time. Um, and since there's games this weekend and games that involve some CCHA schools, we're going to start this week. The, the theme for this week is the, the top returning scorers from nationally ranked teams. So every one of these players is a top returning scorer from a team that is supposed to be pretty good this year. Each player is their team's highest returning scorer. And their teams are going to be pretty good, like I said. So all of these should be fairly good. Uh, good chances to get some points. Uh, we are going to use the fantasy scoring that is on the, the fantasycollegehockey.com, and we can review that at some point. It's just, it's just goals, assists, power play goals, shorthanded goals, uh, and each have hat-tricks. a point value. Hat tricks. Hat tricks. Yep, we get more points for hat tricks. All right, let's get started. First, we have Julian Napravnik. Forward from Minnesota State. Napravnik was Mankato's leading scorer from last season. He scored 10 goals and had 18 assists in 27 games. Mankato enters this season ranked number four in the nation, according to the USCHO poll. And they will be traveling east to play the number one ranked Massachusetts Minutemen. Second is the team that Mankato is playing, the defending national champions, Massachusetts Minutemen's Bobby Trevino. Trevino scored 11 goals and had 23 assists last season in 29 games. He's also the team's top scorer from last season and is returning for his senior or second junior season, depending on how you want to look at it. UMass is the preseason number one ranked ranked team, and they will be hosting number four Mankato. First time they've ever played each other, too. They've never played each other before, apparently. Hmm. If I'm believing College Hockey News' site, the head-to-head analysis has nothing because there is none. Interesting. Interesting little tidbit there. Should should be a good series. Yeah, agreed. All right. Third, uh, we have the University of Minnesota's Sammy Walker. Walker was Minnesota's second leading scorer last season with 13 goals and 16 assists in 31 games. Walker is Minnesota's top returner after Sampo Ranta left school after his junior season. Minnesota is ranked number seven in the nation, and they will be hosting the unranked Alaska Nanooks this weekend. So former WCHA school, now independent Alaska. Fourth on the list, Ashton Calder from fellow UP school, Lake Superior State. Calder scored 16 goals and 13 assists in 29 games, which was good for first overall on his team. 
Lake Superior State is ranked 14th in the preseason poll, and they'll be traveling to play 13th-ranked Nebraska-Omaha for two games this weekend. Lastly, fifth, with a little bit of a twist on this one, is Nebraska-Omaha's Taylor Ward. Ward is not the Mavericks' leading returning scorer points-wise, but he is their highest returning goal scorer. Um, Ma the Mavericks' leading point scorer had a ton of assists, but not very many goals. So I thought it would be better to have a, a guy in there that scored more goals. That's why I pivoted to Ward. He was only one point shy of being the overall returning scorer, so it's not much of a difference overall either. He scored 13 goals and had nine assists last season in 26 games. Omaha is hosting the aforementioned Lake Superior State Lakers, and they are ranked 13th in the nation. So in summary, your choices are Julian Napravnik from Mankato, Bobby Trevino from UMass, Sammy Walker from Minnesota, Ashton Calder from Lake State, and Taylor Ward from Omaha. And I do have a randomizer in here for us to use, and you'll have to trust me, I'm doing this without cheating, but I'm gonna randomize the order of our drafting. That looks great. I get the first pick. <laughs> yeah, isn't that one? That reminds me of when I, I called my own number to win the jersey raffle. Zoom does allow screen sharing. We could we could test this. <laughs> That's okay. It's just no, a game. We'll, we'll, we'll believe them. I'll, we'll I'll believe stop them. trusting you if you hit first next week, too. All right. All right. No, no. Uh, we're only going to randomize the first week, and then after that, it just goes in a stake. So I, I pick first this week. I'll go last next week, and then whoever picks second this week will go first next sure, week. Sure, sure. We'll, we'll gotcha. just go rotating. Sounds yeah, makes sense. sense. Makes sense. All right. So I go first. Uh, Matt is second. Tim is third, and Rob is fourth. So I'm guessing right. I don't get to pick who I actually want. <laughs> You'll get a choice between two players. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. I'm going first, and I am going to take Sammy Walker. That yeah, be, that's, that that's, who, that's, that's who everyone would have wanted. You know, <laughs> taking a good scorer against an unranked team, who would have thought? I'm right. going to go ahead and take Bobby Trevino. Okay. I'm third. And I got who left? The Mankato guy. Lake State. The Laker, the Omaha guy. I'll take uh, the, the Provnik or whatever it is. Okay. And I will, I'll, go cool. with, go ahead. I'll go with Calder from Lake State then. I'll, I'll play the homer pick with the last two that are left. Okay. All right. And then the ghost gets Ward. I kind of expected the ghost to get Ward. That does it for my segment for the week. So I, I know we um, we did record two weeks ago, so I kind of missed out on one other player. So we'll, we'll talk about him. Um, but basically, since the summer, we've had three recruits commit. Uh, Reed Davidala, I'm sure everybody. Did I get that one right, Rob? Uh, Davitella. Davitella. Yeah, I'm pretty Davitella. sure. All right, whatever. That, that's how I would go with it, yeah. Davitella, uh, writer Matter, that's going to be a fun one. And then Cash Rasmussen, we've got some, some good names coming in. Can we talk about how we have a player named Cash now? That's Cash sick. Money. <laughs> we're just going to have to get a green flag with a dollar sign on it for him now. 
Just just getting a green flag with a dollar sign would be incredible. <laughs> a Canadian dollar sign. <laughs> That's the same thing, though. <laughs> no, we got to put a maple leaf behind it. Mm, mm. Um, should look at that too, as long as we're here. Let's see how our. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Davatella is not really surprising because it's a family name thing. Um, you know, he looks like a good player. I'm, I'm happy to have him on the team. But the, I think the more interesting thing to me was seeing the fact that we got a commitment from multiple Canadians in the last couple weeks uh, with Cash and Ryder. Um, Ryder looks like a kid that's coming on and will be good in a couple and is expected to come in a couple of years, whereas Cash looks like a player who... Um, is probably coming in next year because uh, he's already 20 and and you know towards the end of his junior career and and kind of blossoming at the right time to get a chance um so i think that's good for the i think it's really good for the program that we're seeing some commitments from canada even if it's alberta i wouldn't be surprised if you see writer end up uh, in British Columbia before he gets here, because I'm, I'm guessing he's a couple years away. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm. Th I think I'm. I mean, I, it's nice to see. I don't know what you guys think about seeing that we're we're getting some commitments from Western Canada again. Yeah, I think it's been it's been a spot where we've traditionally got people from. I mean, it's, it's nice to see, like you said, folks coming from that direction again. So. It's yeah, well, always interesting to see the new recruits and who they are, where, where they're going, where they're going to play before they get to Tech. Yeah, with a lot of the guys that kind of come from that direction, we've 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 had some luck with them. So it's kind of cool to see that the pipeline's not drying up, and hopefully, those guys can see a comparable level of success that our, you know, our our old Western Canada boys used to get. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, Ryder plays. Um, for Fort McMurray, um, you guys have most of our listeners should recognize that as uh, where Colin Murphy came from. So I think it's, you know, that's a good sign. Uh, who knows what kind of player writer will end up being, but he's pretty young yet and he's got some pretty good numbers for being in the Alberta Junior League at such a young age. If you're listening and you like editing things, please get a hold of us. We could use you. Um, what I'm hoping to do is get a couple people and kind of just have an editor work with a writer so that you're focused on one article a week, either with uh, Mike or Jonathan, basically. Or if you want to do, if you want to hear this podcast even earlier and do liner notes, we would uh, love to have somebody help with that too, because it's, it's quite the process at times for us to, to prepare, record, edit and find time for liner notes so it definitely is many many hands make light work and right now our, <laughs> our hands are a little heavy so it'd be nice to if any of you are interested in helping out to just go ahead and hit us up we really appreciate it you might even get to hear some of the stupid stuff we say that tim has to edit out every week that's, <laughs> that's true, true. <laughs> that was one of one of my bigger one of my bigger things to do before i uh you know became the editor-in-chief was doing liner notes and i really liked getting the podcast every week and hearing all the stupid shit that went on <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's it's, it's fun I, 
you know, the more people we can get involved, the less responsibility each person has, which I think is important. So none of us get burned out. That's I know very I reached true. out to a couple of different people that have helped us before or done stuff like this before. And I know it's hard to get any commitment. So we'll, we'll keep pushing and keep trying and see if we can find a couple people to help out. Cause I know Alex is really busy now too. So uh, life kind of catches up to all of us. The other cool thing that we get to announce this week, if I, I don't know what we talked, if we talked about this much at all last week, but it's now official. Tech Hockey Guide has signed a contract to have advertising on the boards at McInnes. Hopefully those will be up before the, um, I doubt they'll be up in time for the Notre Dame game, but they might be. Um, I'm trying to think what the next one after that is. That's home. It would be Notre Dame. I I thought it would be. I I thought it would be more of touch and go for Northern, but it might take a little longer than that still. Well, they said two weeks, and I finally signed it early early last week. So Okay, yeah. um, The printing process to get it for the boards takes a little time, so it might not be done till. um, Hopefully it's done for the Notre Dame game, but it should definitely be up for the Lake State series. It'll probably be up well before the Lake State series. That's just the next home series after the Notre Dame game. So we'll see what happens, but I think that's cool. Um, we've got an agreement to leave it up for a while as long as we keep doing the podcast and and that goes well. We'll see what happens in life if we can find time to keep doing this for years to come. <laughs> yeah. As long as I keep hitting record, I think I'll be okay for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'll be good. And one time over three years, you didn't hit the button. It and it was arguably the most important. Stop it! Guess. Stop <laughs> it! You know, we 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 got to do it every week. It just was real unfortunate. But you know, kind of going back to how you know our commitment level changes week to week. You know, I think it's kind of important to plug. If anyone wants to join up on the staff and edit things, it's the commitment is really what you want to make it it's as much or as little as you like whatever you're able to commit even a little bit would help us out significantly so one of the more interesting things that um, came out of the media day find it here because somebody else talked about it that was in hockey wasn't it um so looking back at our slack chat discussion from media day uh some you know joe talked talked up uh, Grant Doctor quite a bit, which I was kind of surprised. Like, I know he has the skills to be good, but we've seen him struggle at times in juniors, and it seems like maybe he finally figured it out this last season in the NAHL. But the NAHL to, to D1 can be quite the step up, so I was kind of surprised to hear Joe talk him up that much, but I won't be surprised at all if he's a regular dress on defense and, and contributing and works his way up. I, I think that's a good thing. He's definitely got the skills to do it, and I wouldn't be surprised if Joe's looking forward to having him have some time on the power play. Um, the other name that was mentioned a lot as a newcomer that'll contribute is Caro, who is coming. He's the one spelled differently. Yes, spelled <laughs> differently, but he's the one. Uh, where's he coming from? I forget. Oh, he B or BC? One of those two. B, he was the BC one. Yeah, it's one of the Bostons. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, Boston College. Uh, but he's from Wisconsin. So uh, he'll be expected to 
contribute right away on defense as well. So yeah, we'll be looking at uh, Caro, Sawyer, Buckley, Goats, Doctor, Thorn, Datum, Alight, all with likely wanting playing time. So that'll be interesting to see how that all shakes out. I'm kind of guessing Michael Caro will end up being more of a Cliff Watson type defenseman. Any chance Doctor ends up being a type of guy that goes in as your seventh defenseman to your your you know your extra dressed player and can jump in on power plays and stuff like that, like we've seen Joe use defensemen in the past. I think that's definitely a possibility. I it does seem like um well I could certainly see him dressing like Datama and Doctor, and then depending on pairings, who goes out, kind of like the flow of the game, are you more offensive, more defensive, and then do you need the slap shot or do you need the, the more of the playmaker on the blue line kind of thing that you yeah, could it's been, have that flexibility? It's been a while since we've seen Doctor play, but you know, at the point when we watched him several years ago, he definitely seemed like the type of defenseman who was a highly skilled, you know, puck moving defenseman that had some defensive liabilities and he obviously could have developed quite a bit since the last time we saw him but you know taking that into account it seems like he might be a guy that would be a candidate for that type of role yeah no I agree I think that's definitely uh the possibility especially early on in his career I could see him being the seventh defenseman where he's not not asked to be out there, um, you know, against top, you know, anywhere close to the top line, he'd be getting defensive pairing against third, fourth line guys, and then getting some time on the power play if, if we need it. I think that's, that's his role early on. Um, maybe more. We'll see. And then the yeah, other it's, it's a mess. additions were Matt Korsha. And, um, and then we've got uh, the Swede, Marcus Peterson. I think Joe talked to him up quite a bit, too, if I recall correctly. Um, and then we'll see what we get out of uh, the local kid, Alex Nordstrom, and the coach's friend's son, Levi Stauber. Um, the nice thing, like Joe, I, Joe did talk about this. The nice thing for him, I think, is none of those guys are going to be expected to put up big minutes. They can earn them, but they're not going to be expected to do it because of the depth that we've got. You know, you're talking about 16 forwards on the depth chart ahead of those three guys right now. And you can only dress 12 as it is. So you're, you're talking about a bunch of depth. Um, oh, and I missed mentioning Bronte as a new newbie too to the team. Like I, I expect him to be getting good minutes on the get-go. I don't know how Matt Korsha fits in. Um, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see, uh, like, even the line chart this weekend. Now, granted, I don't know how much to put into that because uh, Joe's going to probably be I, – I, I don't know how many players they're going to let dress for this game and all that kind of stuff to see what 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 kind of pairings he puts out there and, and lines and all that stuff it'll be interesting to see what he's trying to do and with all this depth he's got it's it's really going to be interesting how well, he my, navigates the season yeah, my my guess would be for this type of exhibition game you see 
the sure things, the, the guys that are established, the ones that we know are going to be playing regularly and getting big minutes, so, you know, they don't have anything to prove. You know, they, they, they can sit, right? This is a perfect, um, perfect opportunity to give to, you know, the guys that are borderline, give them a chance in a game situation to earn a spot. Is that, you know, Bliss and um, Brettsman, uh, they, 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 they don't need to prove anything. They, you know, why put them out there, you know, when, unless, you know, they think that they need, you know, that to get up to game speed or something like that. But in past years, we've never had an exhibition game. So I don't, I don't think it's necessary. It's, I would expect to well, see I mean, a lot we usually of play the borderline guys, team, right? I wouldn't say usually, sometimes, some, some years we do. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, sometimes we've played a game right off the bat that weekend, like other teams are that we talked about earlier. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the roster, there's only technically five freshmen on the roster, but there's so many new guys coming in with either transfers, you know, like Bronte and, and the guys from the Boston area. It just, uh, it, it, there's a lot of new guys on the roster, although we only show, you know, five true freshmen, right? So I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how that, how that develops, right? And it means that the seniors are, there's a lot of them, right? I think it's the biggest senior class I've seen in a while. I mean, that's the COVID year fun, right? I mean, obviously that adds. Uh, and hopefully Joe's doing a good job of building culture. And, and we talked about it previously where um, I think when we did a Discord chat with him or a Zoom chat where it was about building that culture so these guys don't want to quit and leave on each other. Yep. Well, I mean, listen to what you hear coming out of Duluth every year, right? And we've kind of talked about this before. You hear yeah. guys that, you know, could be jumping to the NHL or, or moving on after their junior years over there that, that want to stay again for the team that they're playing with. So, yeah, yeah it's it's a matter of building that same style of culture and, and to be honest, starting to, to win games so that culture builds itself. One minute remaining in the podcast. Uh, well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash Guide. Patrons at the black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Uh, thanks again to Bethlyn McCallum for signing up at the gold level this week. She gets to watch us on YouTube now if she really, really wants to, which I kind of doubt she will, but that's what she gets for it on top of the other <laughs> stuff I said. You're also uh, using hey, her maiden name here. Let me see what it said. Did she send it? She uses both kind of interchangeably with their like emails and stuff. So I understand which one yes, it actually it came up on Patreon now. It is now that I said it. It is Bethlyn Cummings. It does these say days. Bethlyn Cummings. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised I said that wrong. She'll enjoy that if she listens to this one. Yeah. Uh, patrons at the white level or above gain access to our Zoom chat featuring guests such as John Scott, Joe Sean, Brad Patterson, and more to come. Follow us on Twitter at Chasing MacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through our email address, chasingmac at techhockeyguide.com, or send us a voice message directly at anchor.fm slash chasingmacpod. Nobody seems to want to patch, and I don't have any to give out, so I'm not going to offer that first voice memo thing to anybody anymore. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast in your site of choice, please let us know. 
we'll make sure it ha uh, make sure make it happen. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends. As you heard on this podcast, we're going to start uh, letting Dustin read off any five star ratings that we get uh, for the podcast. Whatever you say in the review, we're going to read it on air. Lastly, thanks to our sponsor, Fibkey Dental in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. Uh, as always, special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our new introduction and our patron saint, Doc McGresin, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. been listening to the chasing mcnaughton podcast presented by tech hockey guide covering the michigan tech huskies and the ccha